0: Hey, mamas, and welcome back for another episode of Moms with Moms. Moms offering mom support with moms on microphones. If you're new here, go grab your drink. I don't care what you're drinking. It could be, in Brianna's case, water from her child's sippy cup, (laughs) which is perfect (laughs) because mom life. Um, It could be in a coffee mug. That's not coffee. Or it could be a glass of wine, whatever you shall desire. And if you're not new here, welcome back, mamas. We are gonna have a fun time today. So I have Brianna here with me. Brianna and I went to college together. I can't remember. Did- we had a few classes together too. I we know we up. were in. I think we had like maybe like one or two, but we were in different like clubs and stuff and organizations. Mm-hmm. And all I gotta say is I love Brianna's attitude. Brianna is always very honest and very blunt, but if she's gonna say it the best way possible, so you laugh about it. So this should be a really fun episode. So Brianna, why don't you tell our listeners three things about yourself that you think are important for them to know?
1: Sure. Um, So I'm going to try to keep them non-mom related uh, because my uh, son is two and I am working on reminding myself I am a person outside of being a mom. So some... Three things about me that's just about me um, is that I'm an avid uh, book reader. Um, I love reading new books, um, physical and ebook book style. Um, it's something that I like to do in my free time, um, which is I found a pretty easy thing to incorporate into mom life. So I guess I've made it a little bit about mom life, but it's a really nice hobby that um, I've been able to continue into mom life without too much effort. Um, so that's one thing. Um, another thing is, uh, I am a lifelong athlete, um, from rec leagues to travel leagues, um, varsity teams in high school. And then I went on to play, uh, division three at our college, um, for three years. So, um, and in adulthood, I've done some Olympic weightlifting competitions, uh, and, ran races I just did a 10k in uh, um November um I was two months pregnant I think Um, I was about to say weren't you pregnant (laughs) I was I was um I trained for 10 weeks uh and towards the end of training we found out that we were expecting our second Um, and I have been fortunate enough not to suffer through any morning sickness. And so I was able to continue my training and complete a 10 K. Uh, so for those that don't know, 10 K translates to about 6.2 miles. Um, so I did that in the fall and, uh, I like to try and remain active in any ways that I can. Um, so that's another thing that I enjoy doing and I'm passionate about, um, And then I guess the, the third thing is that I, um, I help coordinate volunteering efforts through my office so that we can continue to help our local community. Um, it's something that I've been passionate about my whole life. Um, I was a girl scout and so, you know, helping my community was instilled in me really young, um, and it's carried on through my adulthood, um. I spent a year um, out of college donating platelets at the American Red Cross. Um, if you go to the one uh, in Everett, um, off of Everett Road in, in Albany, uh, my name is on a plaque there for the amount of times that I went and donated. Um, but outside of that, I'll donate food to the local food banks, um, donate my time. Honestly, I find donating my time to be more rewarding than just dropping something yeah. off and running around. Uh, but as a parent, you you do what you can. Um, and the way that I see it is if I have, I, if I have it to give today, then I can give it today and we can figure out tomorrow later. But, uh, if I have $2 and someone has no dollars, then we might as well both have a dollar. So I love that. (laughs)
0: You're gonna make me cry. I love that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, it's so so
1: sweet. (laughs) Uh, so that's, that's three things about me that are not necessarily related to my motherhood. And, um, as I said, my son's going to be two actually tomorrow. Tomorrow's his birthday. And um, mm-hmm. I'm doing my best to remember that I am a whole person outside of being a mom and that I had interests pre-parenthood. Um, and I can continue those interests and and find ways to incorporate them during parenthood.
0: I think it's really cool. Um, obviously, all of that is really cool. I don't want to negate anything. But the one thing that really stood out for me is the fact that you continue to do your athletic um your athletic desires and you did a 10k like that's huge. You did a 10k pregnant. I couldn't yeah. even get up. I I was only 2 months pregnant. <laughs> I was not that still, pregnant. <laughs> okay, but still, like that's a girl, I couldn't even go run a mile right now if I wanted to. <laughs> I I fell
1: off my training. Six. I probably couldn't run a mile either, but to be totally honest, I started um I've struggled with my weight, even pre-pregnancy, pre-being a parent um, for a long time since college. And in May, I saw a photo of myself that was not how I'd like to appear. Um, And obviously health factored in as well. I've been pre-diabetic since about college as well. So that was important to me. About May time was when we also had decided that Um, we were getting close to that 18 month postpartum mark where we would want to try and start trying for that second child. And I was like, well, I might as well do that a little bit healthier. So, Mm. um, for mother's day in May, I got an Apple watch, um, and I started walking and really it was only maybe 30 minutes of walking two or three days a week. Um, and that's where I started. Um, and then when I started my training, I was doing, um, a bunch of different things, but something called interval training where you run yep. for X amount of rounds. Usually I would start with like three or four rounds of doing maybe one minute of running, two minutes of resting, one minute of running, two minutes of resting. And that's where I started. Um, and that was a struggle, one minute of running and two minutes of resting. Yeah. And then I got to a point where I ran my my 10K and I only slowed down to stop at the the water stops. Um, and I still ran so much slower than most of the athletes. (laughs) I mean, really so much slower. I was towards the end of the pack the whole time, but I kept a consistent pace. I didn't feel like I needed to compete with these other runners because running is very much a, um, competing with yourself yesterday sport and not competing with the people around you. Um, I wasn't there to win any titles. Um, I certainly probably never will be. At least as far as running is concerned, it is not my sport of choice, um, but I set a goal for myself. I did the training, I put in the work, and I went from being able to run a minute and two minutes rest and being totally gassed to running a 10K in 10 weeks with, I think, about a week and a half off in between because I had gotten sick. So it it's it's not something that I just woke up one morning and
0: decided to do. So I really like that you just shared that because I think that shows to a lot of moms that not even just with running, but anything that you, you have a desire to do, you did something as a mom and you just didn't give up. Like yep. you had the desire to continue to do something and you're like, nope, like I'm going to do this. I might struggle and it might be hard, but I'm going to do what I want to do for me. And yeah. I'm going to take my time doing it. And you, you literally did like you. Again, I love that you said, I did this for me, I didn't do it to win anything. So-
1: and I have to give my support a shout out because I have, uh, my son is watched by my in-laws um, during the day, he doesn't go to daytime care as you know a daycare center. He goes to my in-laws, to his grandparents. They watch him as long as they need to. If I needed to drop him off early so I could get a run in, I could. And if I had to come pick him up a little bit later to get a run in, or a workout in, I could Um, on the weekends, my husband would stay home with him while I went out for my longer runs, which could be four or five miles long. And my miles are not very fast. That could be an hour to an hour and a half, almost two hours of time by the time I've stretched, gotten out there and run and come back. So um, while I do give myself credit for setting that goal and keeping myself consistent, um, it would not be accomplishable without that support around me. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: All right. So we're going to get into it. So Brianna and I were chatting about obviously all things mom, and there's so many different things that you can talk about. And something that really kind of hit me and I could relate to was her breastfeeding journey. So why don't you start off kind of like from the beginning, like, even like before you had the baby. So was your goal to breastfeed? Like where you set on like, this is what I'm going to do. So, so
1: honestly, it was pretty, um, it was a pretty stressful time when I was pregnant with my son, because it was during the same time that they had the, um, the formula shortage. Um, mm-hmm. And so breastfeeding had always been the hope and the goal also understanding that sometimes it just doesn't happen for people um so i went into it with a lot of grace for myself a lot of understanding um, for myself um i did as much research as i could on my own through the internet um as well as books um but the the ultimate goal was to breastfeed not only because i wanted to do it but because of that formula shortage at the time it was kind of more of a like a need than a want um even though it was my desire to do so. So originally, yes, it was the plan. It had always been the plan. Um, And I had wanted to shoot for a year of breastfeeding. But as a short-term goal, I was like six months minimum would be the first stepping stone goal. We went into the hospital a month early to deliver uh, because of complications that I had. And uh, when my son was born, he also had some complications. And so he had to go to the NICU. Neither my husband or I were able to hold him for the first couple of days of his life. And so because of that, I couldn't do skin to skin contact. I couldn't start to try breastfeeding direct to the breast. So right off the bat, after I had recovered from my C-section, I had to start pumping which brought my pump from home. But the hospital was like, we have our own pump. Um, and we do recommend you use that one at least to start. It was a hospital grade pump. I think it was Medela brand. Mm. The one that I have at home is the spectrum C something, but we used the hospital one and they had uh, lactation consultants at the hospital. Uh, honestly, I can't give the hospital that we were at credit enough for the care for myself the care for my son and the assistance through my breastfeeding journey. When I first started, not only when it came to pumping, but also when it ultimately came time for me to try direct breastfeeding. Um, But as I mentioned, my son, I couldn't hold for the first. I think I held him on the 20th. He was born on the 18th, the night of the 18th. So it was like a day and a half, I think, before I could hold him. And he could only tolerate me holding him for about 15 minutes. So when I did get to hold him, it was a very short period of time. It wasn't um, yeah. enough time to try skin to skin or direct breast uh, breastfeeding, nor was that the intent. It was just, would you like to hold your baby? And we were like, yeah, absolutely. So the first two days, it was pumping every
0: three hours for, I think, 15 minutes. Um, oh my God, you, Brianna, you have me crying, like thinking about, like, I. I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, I putting myself in your shoes and I can't because I didn't go through it but yeah you have to sit there and pump and you can't even feed your child and no. they're telling you like no you can only hold your child for a short period of time like girl I feel for you <laughs> and I... I haven't cried on any of my episodes yet oh, so sorry. I threw don't be myself sorry. fully just, oh. into
1: breastfeeding honestly yeah that's all you have to do really is is focus yeah. on providing what you can and doing what you can. And also your own recovery in, in a very strange way. The NICU time was a blessing me to recover from my Um, C-section. So that was in a weird way, a nice little like assist for me to have that little bit of extra time to heal on my end. But I started pumping every three hours. The first session of pumping yielded nothing, quite literally nothing. Um, and the lactation consultant had already told me like it probably will come up with nothing, maybe a drop. That might be it, especially because I was a month early when I delivered him. So
0: and you had a C section too, so mm-hmm. that also throws everything off. Right. I I also had a C section. I think it's important for us to just note. Know- when you have a C-section, it's very different because when you deliver um, naturally, your body produces like all the correct hormones and everything for your breast to be like, yes, I'm ready. Like this is what we're doing. So when you have a C-section and also when you're month early, I'm sure it's the same thing. Your body doesn't have the time to connect to be like, oh my God, the baby's out of me. So yeah. it takes longer for your breast to be ready to do that. Um, biologically, like it's, you can't do anything about it. It's your body's like, yep, nope, we're not ready. Cause this didn't happen the right way type of thing. Yeah. I
1: always like to say that my son took the sunroof exit. <laughs> people, <laughs> people think that's funny. <laughs> <I don't laughs> um, <like> that. <laughs> uh, but he, um, so he was in the NICU. The first session of pumping didn't yield anything, maybe a drop, but by the time I even finished pumping, it had dried up. Um, so, uh, I was undeterred, Um, I had already been warned that it was probably going to yield nothing and that I would just need to keep going and trying and I said okay so three hours rolled around the next time and we pumped again and I got like two or three drops I remember I don't remember which pump session it was but within the first 24 hours of me pumping one of those sessions yielded like half an ounce. And it was the most exciting thing. (laughs) I was like, yes. And we took that little like half an ounce. And they were like, if you get anything, like anything at all, that's like not substantial, but like enough that it's more than a couple drops, like bring it down to the NICU. We can like put it on our finger or something and put it in his mouth so he can taste it. Um, Because that first couple pumps of breast milk um, get colostrum, which is really good for their development. And with him being premature, they wanted to get, you know, make sure that he got the most possible to care. So within the first 24 hours, I had a, a about a half an ounce in one session. And then a couple hours later, I had about an ounce, which is about what he was taking at the time every three hours. He was so small. So I kept pumping and I just started really producing. There was a fridge in the NICU where we could keep our breast milk while our child was there. Most of the parents had these little like smaller baskets within the uh, fridge um, that were labeled so that we knew whose breast milk was whose. Within a couple days, I had to have a whole shelf of my own. (laughs)
0: So
1: yeah, I it was a mini fridge to be fair. But yeah, I just once I started producing, and I was pumping every three hours on three hours, waking up in the middle of the night to do it, getting up early to do it, mm-hmm. because it was the only thing I really could focus on, I couldn't hold my baby yet, and I could make it to the NICU. Um, the first day, I had to get wheeled down in the wheelchair. Like The next day, I walked behind the wheelchair, using it as kind of like a crutch almost. Yep. Um, so little by little, I was able to kind of make my way down there on my own but I just started really rapidly producing and Chase did not at any point need to take in formula while he was in the NICU, which was great, which I took as a win for myself. I was really excited. I was happy to be able to do it, especially with him being a month early, relatively small, and then needing to be in the NICU. He was only in the NICU for about a week and he was able to come home on my husband's birthday. So that was a really nice birthday gift for him to be able to come home officially. We did try a couple times to do direct-to-breast breastfeeding once he was finally able to tolerate being held for a decent amount of time um, while he was still in the NICU. And then we did a family night in the hospital on the 25th, which was the night before we left, where they did his tolerance test for his car seat. But he and I and my husband all stayed in a what they call a family room. They give us the little bassinet that they put I don't want to say healthy babies, but babies that aren't in the NICU, the the standard little bassinet that they put them in, they had him in there. And then we were in a room with two beds. So my husband slept in one and I slept in the other. They were just hospital beds. So they weren't anything large. But we got a night where if we needed assistance from a nurse, we could call them and get assistance, which was kind of nice that we didn't at any point need them. But it was nice that we knew we could lean on them
0: should we need to, especially as new parents and not knowing You guys had a little bit of a different experience. So like you didn't have the care for your child. You guys couldn't. You couldn't have right away because he was the NICU. So having that experience before sending you home was probably really nice and reassuring. Because if you needed that, like you said, if you needed that support, you could be like, okay, like, what do I do if this happens? Or what if I do if that happens? It probably relieved a lot of your stress and anxiety in that aspect. It absolutely did.
1: And I was in the hospital. So I was admitted... On Monday, he was born on Tuesday night. I left that Saturday. But Chase had to stay until Wednesday. And I left Saturday in tears because I was leaving my baby behind in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, And we went home and we ate dinner and we went right back to the NICU to see him because they keep the hospital NICU open 24 hours a day, seven days a week if you want to go and see your child. So we would, you know, I, I also tried my best to make this time count for my healing. So the first night we did end up going back like an hour, an hour and a half, maybe two hours later, but the next couple of days where he was still there and we weren't, we went at like nine o'clock, we tried to reach it there for his nine o'clock feeding because he was pretty perfectly on 12, three, six and nine around the clock. So we would mm-hmm. wake up early enough to hopefully get to his nine o'clock meeting or eat feeding did try direct breast there. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I mean, yeah. even eating things. I was like, how much of the nipple you have to get in and where the nipple should be positioned to get it in and how you should hold the baby so that he can properly get support and you're also not like hunched over for 30 minutes while they're feeding. And Mm -hmm. it, it was a bit of a scramble and like, there's nothing worse than like, trying to get your child to latch and they're screaming because they're starving yeah. and you're getting frustrated and they're getting frustrated and you're like, I, I can't do this. <laughs> like I'm so overwhelmed right now. This is overwhelming. Mm. And like, you're like, you're trying to get them to close up on the nipple and they're not because they're screaming and they're upset and it's understandable. Like it's them trying to tell you like mom I'm hungry and you're like but I'm trying to feed
0: you (laughs) like I'm trying it's 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 almost like you would just obviously in your head this is the whole thing you're sitting there like just get on the freaking boob right like if you're that hungry just go on it
1: (laughs) yeah honestly it's now that I think back on it it's very similar to when I adopted my first dog, which sounds crazy. Um, but I adopted my first dog right out of college. And I, you know, I've always wanted to have a dog, but mostly I was hoping, you know, to get a companion to assist with some uh my mental health issues. You know, the companionship is important. And so I had adopted this puppy and I was super excited. I had gotten everything, you know, that I needed to be a puppy mom and a dog mom. But for the first couple of weeks He was wild. I couldn't get him to calm down. I couldn't control him. It was like we were talking. Obviously, we're talking two different languages because he's a dog and I'm a person. It's like we couldn't connect. We couldn't figure out like there wasn't a method of language to be able to communicate with him. So I needed to find a way to communicate that wasn't through language. And so I put my dog and myself through dog obedience training. And that was where we were able to make a connection to be able to communicate without needing, you know, language. So yeah. it felt very much like those first couple of weeks with my, my new puppy where, like, I didn't understand his needs and he didn't understand my intents with, you know, assisting with his needs. And so, like, you're trying to help this thing that needs you to care for it but doesn't understand that you're trying your best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was very much like that. I breastfed and pumped, uh, simultaneously when we got home. Um, I pumped because I wanted my husband to have the opportunity to experience, you know, feeding our child, but also to be able to help so that I could get rest. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously I'm still a week postpartum, um, after a C-section, um, which you know, I'm sure is difficult. Um, (laughs) it's a tough recovery. So I would pump sometimes breastfeed, sometimes if You know, if three o'clock rolled around and he wasn't like losing his marbles, I was like, great, this is time to practice direct to breast because you're calm enough that we can coordinate this and try and make it work. I'm also more on the plus size myself, so I felt that a lot of the assisting tools for breastfeeding are not well equipped to accommodate a larger body from a mom. So, like, I had, like, a breastfeeding pillow that's supposed to wrap around your body. Yeah. Uh, and for reference, I'm 5'1", and I think postpartum I was maybe 200 pounds. I carry a lot of that weight in my stomach. And that's just for reference for other moms who are like, oh, that stuff also didn't work for me. Because yeah. I do carry a lot of my weight in my stomach. I'm also only a week postpartum, so I still have a little bit of my baby tummy. The too. That's not going to go away right away, and it didn't. So I'm trying to, like, get this pad here. I have a very short torso. So, like, mm-hmm. I think the pad, like, for someone that doesn't have a abnormally short torso, like I feel like I do, is supposed to sit somewhere, like, around the belly button. But, like, this pillow went almost right up under my breast, which would put him way too high to so be really sitting where beautiful. he needed to properly sit. And so it seemed like a lot of these pillows and assisting things for breastfeeding weren't, weren't made for a body like mine in mind. So that was kind of like out the window. So then it was like, how can I stack regular pillows to kind of assist in my comfort as well as my son's comfort. I have a lot of breast tissue. So I wear, is it a double D now? I I wear mostly sports breasts nowadays, (laughs) but I think I have like a D or double D pup size. So like I have a lot of breast tissue. So in addition to being wider in my midsection, I have a lot of breast tissue that I had to like move around to like try and get him to find the nipple, latch to the nipple and also not suffocate my child with all my boob tissue. Like (laughs) there's so much boob. (laughs) So I'm like, how do I maneuver this so that I'm not suffocating my child while I'm trying to breastfeed my child? And It got to the point where, like, this pillow is comfortably on my stomach at the same time. Right, right. I kind of just gave up with those pillows after, like, the first week. I was like, this is just not working for us. Like, if it works for someone else, wonderful. It's not working for us. So we're going to try and find something that does. And ultimately, we didn't, which is why I, after about two months, switched from, kind of co like breast, direct to breast and pumping to exclusively pumping for the remainder of that year, because it just wasn't, it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And I also think I, I look back and I feel like I may have quit a little too soon, but I was a new mom and I was stressed and I need to remind myself to give myself that grace to know that I am also a person that needs to be cared for. And if that means caring for my mental health and avoiding some unnecessary stress where it comes to like a screaming infant who's hungry and you're trying to maneuver him to feed and he's not latching and your back is sore as (laughs) because you're like hunching over because you're like, how can I accommodate my child? Just finished being somebody's house. Like it's, Mm -hmm. you are not your own person when you're breastfeeding. (laughs)
0: And that is exhausting and isolating and and you pumped too. like that's even on top of that, like you, you not only had to pay attention to feeding your child, but also like, okay, now I got to pump. Right. I usually wouldn't do it at the same time. What a lot of times I would do
1: is utilize a Haka on the breast that you're not feeding from. So um, the Haka is just a silicone cup that you can suction to the opposite breast that the baby is not feeding from at the moment. And because oftentimes your breast will leak (laughs) simultaneously. So to catch that excess uh, milk that's not being drank so that you can save it for later. So I would use the Haka a lot when I was breastfeeding. But a lot of the times I utilize breastfeeding as a a tool for when I was out longer than maybe I intended to be. Like prepped bottles of whole uh, breast milk because obviously breast milk needs to be refrigerated and you can only be out so long with it. And so if I found myself that I was out longer than I meant to, and now he needs to eat, I would just put him on the breast. Yep. So that was like the convenience factor of breastfeeding. And when we came home from the hospital, we still had all that excess milk from the hospital fridge that we took home with us, like a cooler and a half of these vials of breast milk. At the time I was... I came home, my brother and sister-in-law had just had their first child. He was three months older than Chase. They had initially planned to breastfeed as well. My sister and brother and my my brother and sister-in-law, he's my brother, uh, my sister-in-law and him are 10 years my senior. He was on the older side of, you know, pregnancy and having children and things like that. So when they had their son, she had difficulty producing enough. And and uh, this is not my story fully to share, but I only mentioned because when we came home with all that excess milk, I was like, oh, she's struggling to produce. I have all this excess milk, like more milk than we can even go through at the moment. So we gave them like a cooler full of breast milk because it was excess at the moment. And we didn't really have many places to put it. We had one fridge at the time with a freezer that needed to function as both a freezer for human food and a freezer for their yeah. milk. We actually have been using since we brought Chase home my college fridge. And we we have a two-story house, so we're all upstairs, so we put the mini fridge upstairs so that we wouldn't have to run the stairs all day and all night to get him milk. I would pump and I would put it in the mini fridge. And that was so convenient for us. And then my in-laws were getting rid of a deep freezer and that changed the game because then I could start putting just the milk in the deep freezer and leave the regular fridge freezer for our food. Uh, mm. And it also left it, the the deep freezer was so much bigger, which was ideal because I was producing and producing and producing. and And I took that for granted. Absolutely, I did. Because once it stopped hurting to go past that three-hour mark, because when your breasts are too full with breast milk, oftentimes it it can physically hurt. It can also mm-hmm. cause things like blockages with the breast milk and stuff like that. I don't recommend. <laughs> and I do not recommend going beyond that three-hour mark. Make sure you do that three. Like, don't skip the three. No, don't skip the three. One, because you don't want to risk getting a, an infection, a clogged duct, anything like that, because that is incredibly painful but two because you don't want your body to start thinking you don't need as much supply which is what ended up happening um, for me anyway because I got very lax because I was like oh we have storage oh we have storage but Chase started picking up you know ounces of milk really fast I mean he went from one ounce leaving the hospital to an ounce and a half to two ounces to two and a half like really quickly I mean he shot up in how much he decided that he was going to be drinking and I was still producing fine. And throughout my maternity leave, I was producing fine. And so sometimes I would, you know, sleep through that 3am pump, you know, because by the time he was three, four months old, it was like, he doesn't need me to pump at 3am. I can sleep through 3am and get that extra rest. I started skipping them because, oh, I can get the next one. Oh, I can get the next one. And then because my body thought, oh, we don't need as much. It started producing less. So I started doing power hour pumps, which would be I I have to remember 20 minutes of pumping, 10 minutes rest, 10 minutes of pumping, 10 minutes rest, and then another 10 minutes of pumping. And I would do those multiple times a day, which is now more of a time suck out of my day and And it's, it can be really a a lot on your breasts, on your nipples. I mean, it can be really chafing and and irritating for your breasts and not to mention stressful because when they're still not on solid food yet, it's like, you're your next baby's meal. If you're not producing, like, you don't, it's not like we had formula in the house to like supplement because we had never needed it. So it's like. It got to a point where it got really stressful because I was being very apathetic about getting in all my pumps every single day. And so my body started producing less because they were like, oh, we don't need as much. It makes sense. Like the body is very smart. I'm not, (laughs) because I was skipping all these pumps. I was doing power hour pumping. Um, When I finally went back to work, we gave about half the freezer storage to my mother-in-law because she was going to be my child's daytime care. Mm -hmm. Half the storage went to her house so that she would have milk on hand. He was five months old when I went back to work because I took New York paid family leave, which was 12 weeks. I took disability, which was eight weeks for C-section. Uh, And my office gives one week of full pay maternity leave. So I was out for 21 weeks. So he was five months, just over five months when I went back to work. We had started him on his, you know, mush peas and uh, baby cereal and stuff like that about five and a half months. Shortly after I returned to work, we did start introducing that solid food, but solid food is still not their primary source of food for a while so i'm still pumping i'm pumping at work but my boss and my company was incredibly understanding my coworkers were great they would always you know ping me or like uh call over to my cubicle and be like hey Bree, do you need do you need that room in the next half hour i need to take a quick call do you need that room you know around two o'clock i need to make a call or we have a we have a conference with a client or something along those lines so yeah. Huge shout out to my my boss and my coworkers and the company that I work for. I can't say enough good things about them. And I would bring my laptop in and I would just be, I would be working, I would be pumping. Um, I have this really great photo of me. I think I was still on maternity leave at the time, but I'm holding Chase and I've got my portable pump on. So I've got like my shirt up, my cups on for pumping. I've got an infant in my arm. I think I was cooking mm-hmm. at the time, which is like the epitome of parenthood, obviously. Yes. And honestly, that became my life for the remaining time between then and when he turned one. And it was, it was a taxing job in the physical sense, but I struggled the most mentally and emotionally while pumping. Breastfeeding, was a wonderful opportunity. I am four months pregnant with my next uh, baby. We're having a little girl in July and I fully plan to breastfeed again. I feel as though because I did it for one, if I'm able to do it for the second, I would like to do so. I understand that just because it was effective and possible the first time doesn't necessarily mean it will work or be possible this time around, but it's the goal again. so. We're going to shoot again for that six month to one year range. But I, I struggled a lot with, with pumping breastfeeding, at least, you know, you get that time with your child to bond and you're holding them and you're watching them, you know, feed from you and you're giving them everything that they need. And it's just a nice 20 minutes or maybe not so nice if you're getting bit or you're not able to latch because there are those times too. But You know, it's like having that full day of your child making you want to pull your hair out and then they give you a kiss goodnight and you're like, this is the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. So are those times where you're breastfeeding and you're holding your child and you're like, this is it. Like, this is everything. So you get those really nice, sweet bonding moments when you're breastfeeding direct to the breast. When you're pumping, you have these two plastic cones on your boobs and you're probably in a room by yourself and... It's very isolating. It's very lonely. I struggled greatly. Um, I already have major depressive disorder. I've been on antidepressants since twenty sixteen, and I remained on them while breastfeeding, with you know the advisement and guidance of my doctor. Um, yeah. But it was it was draining, stressful, worrying if you were going to be able to produce for your child's next bottle or their next day or their next week of, you know, being here on this earth and not being on solid food yet, Um, I got to, I think, six months. And I was like, I was doing okay. So we went seven months and then we got to eight months and it started really taking a toll on me. But I was like, it's eight months now. Like, we're so close to that one year mark. Like, I, I feel like it makes sense to keep going. So I convinced myself for another month and then I got to nine months and I'm like, I really, I really would like to stop. (laughs) Like, I was really unhappy, like truly, truly unhappy, happy to do this for my son, unhappy for myself who felt very lonely and isolated and stressed out. And am I producing enough or am I doing enough? And, you know, every time you produce less than you thought you were going to, it's like a, punch to the gut and then like you'll have that time where you pump and it's more than you thought you were going to pump and you're like mm-hmm. yes but it's very highs and lows um and yes. we got to nine months and I was like okay so maybe we can make it to that 12 month mark I really want to stop I really really do but but we're so close we're so close and so we I got to 10 months and at that point I was like I would love to throw in the towel now. Like I really, really would like this is it for me at this point. I'm like crying, stressed over it half the time, yeah. like very unhappy Um, and very happy in my parenthood, just very unhappy with the breastfeed or pumping. Mm-hmm. And And at that point, it's like, well, he's on solid foods a lot now, so it's not so much like the most important thing anymore. Like he could transition to formula. And then I was like, but to transition him to formula, to just transition him to whole milk soon, it made no sense to do it. Um, At this point, we'd run through the reserves, so it was like pump for pump, like this is what he's drinking. So any given pump session could be not enough. Mm -hmm. And there were times where it was maybe half an ounce short. And we were like, well, okay, we can make it work. We can give him some cereal in conjunction with this, you know, bottle Mm -hmm. and and it'll fill him for now. At one point, I think I was nine to 10 months postpartum, I had a work conference where I had to travel out of the capital region where I live to Western New York. So it was uh, pack the pump, pack a cooler, pack some ice packs, pack enough baggies for storage, (laughs) pack a Sharpie so that you can label the baggies. And it was a two day conference in addition to the probably two days worth of travel. So I was gone for about three and a half days where I was pumping and I was away from my child for the first time in a significant way where I didn't see him for several days. And so I had that going and, and the stress pre work trip to make sure that there was enough milk to last him those four days where I wasn't going to even be anywhere near being able to give it, you know, get anything new to him and then, you know, coming back and making sure I had produced enough and that it made the travel back home. (laughs) So that was all really stressful. By the time we hit, I think it was like 11 and a half months. We were, we were at the cusp of, of a year where I wanted to hit. We had absolutely ran out of storage. There was no more freezer milk. Like it was not there. And I was pumping so little milk, so little that we were like, we talked with our doctor, we discussed it with them. At 11 and a half months, we started him transitioning to whole milk. So by the time his first birthday did hit, he was fully on whole milk at that point. I still tell myself that I hit that one year mark. To me, Here's the difference guy. between 11 months and three weeks and a year is is nothing. You, I did a year. I did 51 weeks. Anyone... With half a mind will round that up to a year like mm-hmm. so like i hit my goal but at, at great mental and emotional cost for myself so it was it was a lot i don't know what i'll do this time around with this next baby if i hit that point where i'm emotionally and mentally really starting to struggle because i do want to do everything that i can for my children and in every situation that it makes sense try to keep things equal I'm of the belief that most things aren't going to be equal ever. But if I can give each of them a year of breastfeeding, that is one thing I can control and I can guarantee equalness in as long as I'm producing. So part of me wants to hope that I can make it and go the distance. Part of me also understands that there's going to be added stress of being a mom of two versus a mom of one. And also we don't know, you know, everyone always hopes for a healthy, happy baby, but we don't know what this baby will have or bring to the table, if they'll be colicky, if they will have a a health issue um, that complicates things. So I think, you know, we're at a point where we're playing it by year for baby number two. uh, Open the goal is to be able to breastfeed for six months to a year for this second one as well. But it's going to be very dependent on whether I'm producing and whether it's a right fit
0: for our family. This time around. And I think. Because you went through it the first time. I think you'll know. Differently this time. And I think. Obviously I'm only a first time mom. But I think when you have a second child. You accept. That it's okay not to do certain things. Because it's like. Well I didn't do this with the first. And look at how they turned out. They're fine type of thing. Right. So I think that you're, like you're saying, you if you are at the place that you were last time, you'd be like, you know what, it's okay. Like, I don't have to do this to myself again. Right. So I think that's yeah. really good. They all eat you- chicken nuggets, old chicken nuggets,
1: anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they pick up whatever they find off the floor and they'll eat it, so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they all end up eating everything they can find and put in their mouth anyway.
0: Yeah. What are three things of advice that you want to give to a mom who wants to be on a breastfeeding journey.
1: Man, I think the first one is not not everything, nothing less forever. Really. It you mm-hmm. know, this time is going to pass a lot of times quicker than you expect. The days are long, but the weeks and the months go by really quick like i said tomorrow's my son's second birthday and it's very hard to believe the time just goes by so fast and days feel like they're never going to end but then you wake up and your child's going to be two in the morning and it puts things into perspective so and that's something that i told myself a lot when i was struggling mentally was that this is not forever you know this breastfeeding journey is not forever and and In regards to breastfeeding but also just motherhood in general is that i've done my best to remind myself because it doesn't last forever to enjoy the things that are enjoyable Mm -hmm. um and and to me that means like not everything is going to be sunshine and i'm not one of those people that's like you should enjoy every last second because some seconds you're getting peed on and yelled at and hit or bit or kicked or dealing with a screaming infant for two plus three hours. I'm not going to tell anyone to enjoy that. I think someone (laughs) would have to be a sadist to enjoy that, but the enjoyable moments, I do my best to try and recognize so that I can savor them. So that's, you know, kind of a big one is just that nothing lasts forever and to enjoy what's enjoyable of motherhood. It's hard and it's challenging Mm -hmm. and it can be difficult and tough. Uh, But so are you, you are also tough and you are also strong and you are also smart. And sometimes you need to make choices for yourself. And that's advice I give based on myself making maybe the wrong choice for myself at the time, especially as a first time mom and the pressures that we put on moms socially to do the breastfeeding and do it for a year and enjoy every last second of it and put a smile on your face, even if you're stressed out about it and don't complain about it because then you're not grateful about it. And that's not the case. Do what is right for you because if it's right for you,
0: it's right for your family. Let's stop saying that breast is best and just say that fed is best. best. If your baby is fed and happy and they're not screaming and crying, who gives a f- about right. what they're drinking? Yeah. Bottom line.
1: As long as it's made for them to consume and you have discussed it with your pediatrician because that's the only other person that matters outside of you and your partner deciding how to feed your child. That's how you should go. I felt very supported in my choice to, to breastfeed through my doctor's office and through my, you know, family and support system and my partner. But- I was also supported by all of those people when I had my doubts about continuing. I was the first person in my immediate family and my husband's immediate family to breastfeed a child. Everyone else had opted for formula, which again is fine, but it just meant that I had no one personally to draw from <laughs> in in what was going on. Like I
0: didn't know and nobody else around me did either. <laughs> And your first instinct Um, is to call your mom and be like, mom, I'm struggling with this. And when you're breastfeeding and your mom's never breastfeeding, it's like, girl, I don't know what the issue is. (laughs) Right.
1: My mom did attempt breastfeeding me when I was first born. I'm her first child. She did attempt it. She said that I wasn't latching. She felt very defeated and she stopped, which I feel like is not a... Exclusive experience for moms in the '90s. I think it carries on to today. It yep. is very frustrating. It does take time. It's not immediately going to happen. It's not immediately going to work. If it does, that's fabulous for you. Don't share that with anyone because we'll all be very mad. But you're. <laughs> but it doesn't you're the happen. We're Shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> exactly. Like you're too good for <laughs> us all. Please go away. Yes. Um, but <laughs> this podcast is
0: not made for you.
1: <laughs> for the majority of us, it doesn't happen right away. For me, it didn't work out at all doing direct abreast. And what ultimately ended up working for me and my family was uh, exclusively pumping. I do wish that I had tried a little longer. But again, when you have a screaming infant, and you're frustrated, and you're trying your best, and you're trying to let your infant know that they are doing your best, but they're still losing their marbles. And you know, you're working with maybe tools that weren't made for your body like the breastfeeding pillows that i tried you know and you're trying to make these things work and you don't have uh others around you's personal experience to draw from on the breastfeeding journey like you are you feel very much like you're on a boat alone trying to figure this out you know maybe your partner is trying to assist especially in particular with you know male partners versus you know maybe a A dual female household where it's like, um, I don't think this is working, and I I'm not sure that you understand why it's not working. Like even with a dual female household, if one is you know the one that bears the children and the other hasn't had that experience, maybe it is still the same experience with you know male to female households. But you know with even your partner's support, it can be still stressful. Like. It just feels a lot like herding cats. (laughs) Nobody knows what's going on. And everybody has opinions on how to help, um, but doesn't have the expertise to really help. And you're just trying everything and throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. And uh, sometimes nothing does and you're, it's a lot. So that's a little off base. Essentially, I guess my, my suggestions for parents looking to breastfeed is nothing... Lasts forever, the stress, the isolated feeling, um, it's not forever. In conjunction with that, there is support for you. There are people out here that want to listen if they can't advise. There are people out here that can advise, um, like the wonderful breastfeeding consultants at the hospital that I delivered at. There are breastfeeding classes. There are places to turn to with the expertise to assist. And your pediatrician. They may be baby doctors and baby experts, but they can also assist and guide you, even if it's just in the right direction to find what you need. There are resources out there and there's support out there um, for people that just need a person to listen. You will know, find that friend, find that person for you. If it's your partner, great. If it's another mom that's done this journey before, I think even better. The third thing is just, if it's not working for you, it's It's not going to work for the family. Something that I love to hear often is that, uh, especially as a parent, is that you need, if you're in an airplane and the plane is crashing, you need to put your mask on first before you assist anyone else. Recognizing that in a breastfeeding journey, what is best for you and your mental health and your physical health and your emotional health is ultimately going to be
0: what's best for your family. Thank you so much again for being on here and sharing your journey and sharing every piece of it. And it's it's really helpful to know that, like, you didn't have an easy breastfeeding journey. I'm sorry that you didn't, but I'm glad that you did to be able to hopefully help another mom. Another mom who maybe be like, I'm struggling with breastfeeding and I don't think I want to do this. And also pumping. And knowing that pumping pumping is not something that was supposed to be easy, but it also shouldn't be something that's so taxing. And if you're not okay, girl, just stop. You're in control of the tap. <laughs> Correct. You are the freaking cowgirl.
1: <laughs> yeah. For real. Moo.
0: All right. So cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Thank you, mamas, for tuning in to this episode. If you liked this episode, please remember to hit the like button. And if you want to see more and you want to get notifications about the next episode dropping, make sure to hit the subscribe button right here. And if you are looking for daily inspiration, daily reels, or literally just anything, because at this point I post whatever, it's kind of the diary, here's my Facebook and my Instagram. And then I also do the same thing on TikTok, so here's my TikTok. And if you want to be on the show and you have a story to share, hoping to connect to another mom, Please, my DMs are always open. If you're struggling with something, please, please, please reach out into the DMs. Just remember you're not alone. And also, as always, moms, we're surviving and we're thriving. Bye, besties.